Dadhood. Modern Dadhood Podcast. <laughs> Mark, Mark, look at you. Look at you. Me? Yeah, you look good. Look at, look at me, look at you, man. It feels like we haven't recorded in forever. It's been at least forever. At least that long. Maybe forever and a day. Great song. And here we are just heading into Father's Day weekend 2021. This podcast is called Modern Dadhood, and it's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. Your name is Mark Checkett, and you are a father of two sons who are three years old. And your name is Adam Flaherty, and you are mm-hmm. a dad to two girls, mm-hmm. seven and four. Nailed it. And we are both not at all experts in the realm of dadhood. In fact, we're novices. I wonder how long that phase lasts. Forever? I mean, at some point you become seasoned, right? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think you get to this sort of level of, like, sage. Well, send me a text when you think you've gotten there, and I'll do the same. Deal. What did you think of the mom takeover? I'm, I, uh, I think it, I, I actually didn't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> what a day. I should have prepared better for this recording session. I just didn't listen to the last episode. You heard no, um, it. I mean, I thought it was a great episode and I was really happy to hear them get into it. I know they were a little bit feeling out of their element at the beginning, but um, I feel like they got into it. They had a little taste of the, the giggles at the beginning, but a little, a little bit. But we probably but, did before we hit record for the very first time, too. Oh, yeah. I had a case of the I had a case of the giggles. I had a case of the shit, the nervous shits. Really? Um, did you yeah, have IBS a, before we recorded our first modern dadhood? I think I did. I, I had a case of the flop sweats, you know, when we were <laughs> flop sweats. What is that? I don't, I don't exactly know. <laughs> is this thing a I thing? Google. <laughs> flop sweat. Flop sweat meaning nervous sweat, parentheses, as of a performer and parentheses <laughs> caused especially by the fear of failing. Oh, okay. All right. So you think you're going to be a flop? That must be where it comes from. I was yep. picturing, I don't know why, I'm, I'm trying to figure out which part of the body flop sweat you know, <laughs> uh, uh, generates underneath. The area that sits just over your belt, you know, the <laughs> yeah. part of your body that hangs out just and, and just flops just over your belt. That's where the sweetest sweat gathers. This part. Ready? Yeah, that please. part. Did you learn anything from that episode yeah. you weren't no. previously aware of? No. 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 Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> well, we love you, moms. You're awesome. You are great. So I don't know about you, but my mind is still blown after our conversation with Benley. Yeah, at this point, it was a little while back. We've been sitting on this interview for a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it was one of my favorite conversations that we've had. In preparing for this recording, we we were reviewing the transcript of the conversation, and man, did we cover a lot of ground. Like ultra runner, marathon runners don't cover this much ground, you know? 
We did a pretty deep dive with Ben Lee, and it proved to be a really challenging to pare the conversation down. So I'm going to propose, Mark, that we make it a two-parter. You know what? I second that motion. Cool. So then we'll play back part one of the conversation very soon. I'm going to ask you this question, and I don't really have an example from my own life right at the tip of my tongue to share with you. So I'm going to ask you this question, and if you don't have a good answer from your life, then we're going to can the question. We'll trash the whole thing. Do you ever find yourself over explaining things to your kids? So like giving them way more information than they need simply because you have experienced the thing that they're experiencing. You have worked through it and you've learned from it. And then, and then later on you realized it was actually something that maybe you didn't need to over explain to them. Like it didn't have to be a teachable moment. And the second part is like by not explaining it to them from the context of your life experience, could they have benefited from making sense of it, you know, in their own way? Mm. Loaded question. Yeah. I mean, the short answer is yes. Nice. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I'd love to explore that. Oh, sure. Yeah. The short answer is yes. And I'm in, we're in this moment. I think now where kids are getting a few things are happening all at once right now with, where our kids are at age wise, they're, they're, they're a little over three years old. They're learning a lot more about the world. They're observing a lot more about the world and wanting to understand the workings of all of the things that are around them. So they're a lot more inquisitive, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the sort of cartoon version of it is like the endless, like, you say something and they say, why? And you say another thing and they say, why? I Uh mean, it's, it's that amplified Mm -hmm. right now. The other thing that's happening is that we're like excited that these children that we have that for what seemed like a very long time, we couldn't have conversations with. Sure. And and we couldn't, and, and they weren't asking those questions. And so the conversation quote unquote that we were having with them it was one-sided because you're just talking to an infant. That's what I'm saying. And so the other thing that's happening is that we want to say everything to them. We want to explain so much about the world around them. Yeah. And so we get into these conversations with them where they're acting particularly inquisitive, you know, and we try to really like, explain or and to to the the point where we're over explaining yeah you know and then we get into these moments that are seemingly like really mundane and definitely not teachable moments but like we're like so into it that we're trying to make it a teachable moment do you ever find in those situations that just because of like the nature of our social you know circles and and social interactions being so limited for the past year and a half that part of it might just be like you and your wife get to like have a a stimulating conversation about something that like you both know something about, even if it's something totally mundane, even though it's framed in the way of 
we're trying to teach our kids something really Mm -hmm. the enjoyment that you're getting out of it is like the two of you can actually speak about something other than what's happening (laughs) in the four walls of your house yeah yeah we i don't know it's an it's a very interesting question and it's something that i'm like i'm never really gonna know because this is my only experience it happens to be that they went from two to three largely in quarantine yeah from a global pandemic so this is what i was sort of saying a second ago about us trying to be in sync with things like we are both realizing how much we do that we're kind of at this turning point now where we're starting to think like do we really have to do that or will they ask us a question when they want to ask us a question when they're feeling ready to learn something or some you know or wanting to, you know that they want to know or that they're feeling ready to learn something mm-hmm. and let them explore the world around them on their own terms mm-hmm. as opposed to us saying what do you want to learn what do you want to learn about now want to know why the sky's blue right you know? Right. It's like sometimes you'll think to yourself, like, I don't need to control this situation. Like, I don't need to explain the the ramifications of a decision that they're making. And it's it's totally safe and actually good for them to make this decision and to figure out the consequences. And I say consequences, like not that they're going to do something dangerous and they're going to they got to figure it out the hard way. Just whatever it is like. Why do I need to insert myself into that experience and tell them what's going to happen and why there's benefit to them figuring things out on their own and learning the sort of big picture context later on? It's a big, I don't know. So what we're talking about is like, really is like a very big topic. This notion that like you have kids and there's this life that's there and you have this really important job for a while as a parent, making sure that that life like has everything it needs. Yep. It's like gross oversimplification, but like teaching that life or the feeling of like wanting to give that, that new little life, like everything it needs to survive for the rest of its life past when we die it's a really heavy thought at times. It really hits me at times. The gravity of that, like what's really truly at stake with having a child, you know, or being a parent to a child. You can read all the books in the world about it, but they're still not going to fully prepare you for everything that you just described. Like you have to come to terms with that in your mm-hmm. own way. And figure out how you are going to nurture that life and prepare them for for their life. Obviously, we are only experiencing this and talking about it from our perspective as people who have kids who are, you know, th- three and four and seven. It was really interesting to talk with Ben Lee about all this. His daughter, Goldie, is 11 years old. His stepdaughter, Kate, is 19 years old. And so even between those two sisters, there's like a world of difference in what mm-hmm. they have experienced. And then and then Ben and Ioni, as the, the parents, are just experiencing this, this entire conversation in a totally, really two totally different contexts, I suppose. There was just so much that we talked about that was thought-provoking that at points kind of blew my mind, like, I want to listen back to it as well. So let's just let's just roll tape. What do you say? Most death. 
dads, I hereby present to you part one of our fatherhood conversation with one of my favorite musicians, Ben Lee. So I want to welcome Ben Lee into the conversation. Uh, Ben is, of course, an accomplished songwriter and recording artist who I've had the pleasure of seeing perform a number of times over the years. Uh, But he's also an outspoken activist, a composer of musicals, a student, a dad, and just a brilliant mind. Uh, Ben, it's such an honor to have this conversation with you. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Right on. Thank you for having me. So you're in Sydney now, and it's been super exciting to see that you are cautiously returning to playing live music. I'd love to hear how that's going. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's, you know, I booked all these shows when I was still in LA and then in quarantine here. And, um, it was hard to imagine, like I was just saying yes to everything because I just could not imagine being in a room with a live audience. (laughs) Um, but now that we're in it, it's like, you know, to a certain extent, it's, um, there's a little bit of like heads popping up out of the, like in the post-apocalyptic ruins sort of, and everyone just being like, are we doing this? Are we actually like, we're at live music. And then another extent, it's sort of like you get on stage and it's sort of business as usual. Like, oh. you know, this thing I've done playing live, I've been doing it for almost 30 years. So it's just, it's funny. And for the audience too, it's listening to music. It's something that's so innate to who we are. So it's this mixture of like new and ancient. That is interesting. I have to say, I mean, I, I, I just don't know. I just can't imagine yet going out and being at a club or at a venue surrounded by people watching a show. I hope to get there personally at some point very soon, but man, it's just such a wild thought right now still for me. Well, it's a very, you know, it's a very different situation in Australia. I mean, you know, literally there's been zero community cases of COVID for a while now. Any cases come out of the quarantine hotels and they get jumped on pretty quickly. And within, you know, every now and then there's a snap lockdown for four or five days and then Mm. it's back to zero cases. So it's, I think people go into those experiences with a degree of safety yeah. Which is not, and also everywhere you go, you check in with your phone so that they can trace if there is any kind of spike, they can trace it. So, you know, part of the last four years that was so scary in America was just feeling like there were no grownups in charge. Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, Tell me about it. Yeah, and it just it made it it made life pretty scary. And it's just interesting here to have a degree of trust. In leadership, look, I don't, the prime minister's not my favorite prime minister. And some of the states, I like the premiers better than others. But in general, there's a sense that leadership will deal with problems as they come up. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's a very, it's just a very different experience. Well, Ben, we're on a show called Modern Dadhood. So you're a dad. We would love it if you could share maybe a little bit about your family here at the top of the show. Yeah, well, so I I met um, my wife, Ioni. Uh, we met when I was 18 and she was 20, 26. And so at that time, we were not, we didn't really consider each other romantic partners. You know, mm-hmm. that is a big difference, especially when the, the guy's 18 and the woman's 26. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like another world. I was in awe of these women. Some of them were already divorced. Mm. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Um, but anyway, um, by the time we got together, it was 10 years later, 
So I was 28 and she was 36 and she had uh, Kate who was then, uh, you know, four or five years old. And, and I've been involved in their lives since then. So now, yeah, my stepdaughter is 19. Uh, me and Ioni's daughter Goldie is 11, uh, turning 12 in September. And, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, we've made it work. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting, you meet more and more of these families that are not the way, you know, I'm trying to, I I think of like when I was growing up, like middle-class Jewish, you know, in Sydney, even like for families to have a divorce within them, it was almost like a, there was a degree to which it was probably like Catholic communities. Hmm. There's a degree to which there was like, there was a bit like, they were a bit like lepers, you know? Uh, And on one side, there is a, there is a, downside perhaps to people not taking marriage as seriously maybe uh hmm. as they did in other generations but on the positive there's people um recreating families and having second acts and second chapters yeah. that can be really successful and um i think for kate especially you know it's really different like yes being brought up where your parents were sort of like never together in a way that you can remember uh there's a there's a sadness in that but then mm. being able to see your mum in a very satisfying happy marriage for the last you know 13 years it, it gives i don't know i think there's a lot of healing in that so it's yeah it's been it's it's just a successful family it's interesting we've touched on this on episodes in the past i think here here and there that you know sometimes you hear the word divorce and it's oftentimes associated with, uh, it's like a negative thing, um, where in some cases it, it might be negative maybe for a time, but something really, truly positive could end up coming out of it. Um, so it's not that it's always a negative situation. And to your point, it, it leads to some, you know, very happy and successful families down the road and sometimes bigger families. They call sometimes use the word blended families. And there can be a lot of really happy situations on the other end of a divorce sometimes. Can you talk, uh, can you, so Goldie is 11 turning 12. Would you mind telling yeah. us a little bit about what she's like and the things that she's into these days? Yeah. Well, it's pretty interesting because, uh, it, at this moment, it's a bit hard to separate what the kids are like from how they are coming out of 2020. Right. Hmm. Um, so I would, I don't know, like it's hard to say what's temporary and what is like, like what sort of trauma that's still being processed and what is innate to her personality. Um, but she's, you know, in some way, I mean, she's a mix of things. Like it's sometimes I call her like a little Larry David. She's like a nervous kid on one hand, but on the other hand, like she's in trapeze class and I walk in yesterday to pick her up and I did, I'd never seen her do it. And I literally walk in as I look up, this kid launches from 20 feet up in the air by hanging by her knees on a trapeze. I'm like, so it's not right to characterize her as like a nervous person, you know, but, but uh, she's a, yeah, she's such a mix of me and Ioni and her own kind of thing. I mean, she's very, I think, uh, you know, cause she's going into year seven, seventh grade uh, next year. And so we're making a lot of decisions in Australia. There's no middle school. It's like you go into high school at seventh. Mm. So, it's like a really big, uh, it's a big decision about what type of education is going to be the right education for her. Hmm. And, um, 
it's time where you sort of get honest about what kind of kid you have. And mm. she is a very creative kid that really, you know, she's been in big public schools and she's been in tiny private schools and she's had a lot of different experiences. And she's someone who seems to <laughs> probably like both her parents not respond so well to the traditional get in line education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you know, she makes me laugh. I don't know. Right now she's just, you know, she's on TikTok all the time and it's funny. Like, <laughs> but she's not watching dances. She's mm. literally like educating herself. Like this is what's interesting about it, where you can write off the next generation as, oh, she's just staring at her phone and she's into right. TikTok. Right. But the things she's showing me, uh, they're fascinating. Like yeah. she's essentially like watching social commentary, trivia, um, you know, politics at her level, like not, yeah. not crazy, you know, politics that they can fit into 30 second, uh, sound bites. Mm-hmm. But, but she's essentially like consuming kind of intellectual content, mm. which I think is, I, I need to zoom out of because, you know, I think my friend Jordan Shapiro, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he's written two books that I think you guys would really like. He wrote one called The New Childhood about digital play and kids. And, um, and he wrote another one called um, Father Figure, um, How to Be a Feminist Dad. Um, yeah, he's, he's really interesting. But, but the one he wrote about technology was interesting because he talked about how Socrates hated things written down. He thought that it really devalued philosophical conversation to write down ideas. And the only reason we have any of his ideas written down is because Plato, who was like the next generation was like, oh, fuck this, man. This guy is an old... <laughs> he's like, he's, he's got brilliant ideas, but he is out of touch. I'm going to write these things down in secret. And um, and I think what you see in there is a real generational divide over an understanding of technology. So I try where possible to keep myself on the open-minded side of uh, how the kids are using technology and not bring in my sort of old world paradigms, but still bring in good values. Like, like what, what she's consuming to me is of more interest than the medium with which she's consuming it. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. But it, it must be hard to not feel like you need to look over her shoulder all the time. My, my da- I have two daughters. One is seven and one is four. And my seven-year-old, she's brilliant. She's just started asking me at what age do kids get phones? Because obviously she's aware of the technology. You know, we try to keep devices out of her hands at this point to the extent that we can. But my answer to her is, I don't know. I'm not sure because that wasn't something that we dealt with when I was seven years old. You know, I didn't get a phone until I was 17 or 18 years old. And it certainly wasn't a tool for learning. It was a tool for if I needed to make an emergency phone call. It was a phone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was a phone. We've had a lot of conversations where this a topic has come up about the use of things like social media. And of course, there's such great opportunities for that education. But I mean, there's so much scary stuff out there that I just want to protect her from, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the benefits of having a nervous kid because she doesn't want to be freaked out. Sure. So like, it, like she generally... I, 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 she's not yet in danger of being overexposed. Uh, the things she brings up with us are not scary. They're conversations that 
she should be asking about, you know? Mm. So, but yeah, I think if you had a kid who was just like disappearing and you didn't know what they were consuming, like, like I think a big part of it is just like staying connected to your kids. Like it's so interesting how many parents, like, like, you know, my daughter, like every other kid got really into Among Us last year. So we started playing Among Us and I was shocked at how unusual that was when I talked to other parents, like how few of them even understood what the game was or how it worked. And I actually don't understand what that's about. Like Mm. it almost seems like parents resist as an act of defiance and having their own boundaries. They're like, oh, don't bother me with what you're into. Mm. I've got an, and I get that because we want to consume our own information. We want to watch things we like. We want to read books. We want to listen to music we like or podcasts, but you know, if there's, when my kids got into Animal Crossing, I got into it with them Mm. and I got into it more than them actually. But, (laughs) but the point is kind of like, they will invite you in if you show up with an open mind and not judgmental. Mm. Um, But I think that's really key. Like, like just play with them. You don't need to be as into it as they are, but that's the way of figuring it out of like, like I now know, you know, there's half a dozen YouTubers my daughter watches. I don't watch all the videos she watches, but I know what Colleen Ballinger's up to. I know what, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I like, I now have a sense of who these people are and I know what their values are and where I disagree. I voice that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what the, but I, and I applaud them when they like, I don't know if you know who that is, that Colleen Ballinger, you know, she does uh, <laughs> Miranda sings. She's okay. that, that, uh, you know, so you know, she has a massive platform and she's really spoken up about Black Lives Matter and she doesn't need to do that, you know? And I, I really voiced to my daughter, I found it very moving and I, I, I voiced that to Goldie mm. and I, um, I, I just try and like talk to her in a language that she actually understands with respectfully. That's a really great segue into uh, a question that I wanted to ask you, which is one of the things that, that I've always admired about, you and, and, you know, through your music, certainly, but just in the way that you present yourself um, online and, and so forth is you seem to be a lifelong learner, but you always seem to be like actively learning. And and when I say actively learning, I mean, you, you, you dive deeply into the things that you're curious about to learn about them firsthand and then just in develop your own personal understanding of them. And I wonder how would you say that your and Ione's love for learning influences your daughters? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I view myself as someone who, yeah, I'm like constantly curious and wanting to, uh, and wanting to learn. I think sometimes Sometimes that appetite, because I'm a bit of a, I'm like a sharer, you know, like I'm, I'm the person who will like sit down with you and play you like five Jonathan Richmond albums in a row to convince yeah. you like how amazing this artist is or to be, you've got to read this book and then let's talk about it. Um, and sometimes that can be a bit like a lot of pressure on people. Sure. Um, because I, you've got to give people space and time to uh, have their own, have their own experiences, you know, Um but I think in general, openness and enthusiasm um, and discernment are things that we've tried to instill in the kids, like both, I guess, like just honestly believing that what other people are saying around you is of value 
and that listening to ideas and and consuming art and uh, I suppose in a, in the in the broader sense being part of a cultural conversation. Mm. Uh, if you're a performer or a, I mean nowadays I guess you'd call it a content creator, but if you're someone who creates and shares, you're also someone who listens. Yeah. If you're in a growth mindset, it doesn't really matter what you personally think about where culture's going. I mean, everyone's obsessed with this is what I think about it. This is right. This is wrong. It's like, who cares what you think about it? Actually learn about what's happening. And to me, what's exciting is like, there's a lot to learn about. Like, and I have no problem saying, look, Goldie will ask me certain things about pronouns and this and that. And I'll say, look, I didn't grow up with it. So it's new to me, but I bet you by the time you're an adult and you have kids, it'll be just second nature. Absolutely. Like you will just be like, oh, okay, what pronouns does that person want? And you, and you use it. And it's like, but it's, there's nothing wrong with what you've known being outdated. There's nothing wrong with that. That's evolution. Yeah. And in the same way that it's funny that Sonic Youth, who were like the cutting edge of culture, are now sort of like dad music. Um, <laughs> That's okay too, because mm-hmm. the cutting edge has to keep being cutting and it has to keep being edgy and it has to keep moving forward. And if you're so attached to you needing to be the one who knows about what's happening in the most progressive corners of culture, I'm sorry, but at a certain age, that's not going to be your viewpoint that's the most cutting edge anymore. And that's okay, you know, if you actually love life and love people and love learning about where we're going, then it should be a, still it could be a fun adventure. Sorry, can you hold on one second? My my stepdaughter's asking me something. She's she's actually trying to apply for socialized medicine for Medicare here, and she can't find the um she can't find the place. And it's just so, it's so important that I, I have oh to yes, make time. sure she. <laughs> it's it's one of the great uh, the great things about being here, but it's also like she's got to be on top of it. Yeah. Of course, um, please. Okay, sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's just like realizing that you're part of a conversation and that you don't have all the answers and that, yeah, that we're listening and learning. Like, it, it's funny. I think with culture, I've always been interested in where it's going. In some ways, I can be like reactive against, like, for instance, like the acoustic guitar has gone through many phases of sort of like almost like redundancy culturally in the sense that like, it's not necessarily the aesthetic that young people, oh, she's, hang on. It, it is, <laughs> I have to answer this. Sorry, um, hang on one second, hang on one second. I just gotta. This is already going so no, no, it's going fine, listen. He's, he's actually getting a phone call from his kid in distress. Don't worry about the car, don't, don't worry about the car. I don't think there's the a more job. apropos way of being interrupted in the midst of giving an interview about being a dad. Why do you need your car? This feels like an appropriate time to take a break, and we'll pick up with part two of our conversation with Ben Lee in our next episode. Just um, over here checking my watch, and would you look at that? It's it's time for a recurring segment. What do you you say to a so... That's a thing now. I like it. Uh, I've got one, and I'm going to dive right into it because we're running long. Hit me 
this is what is a thing now in the Flaherty household. Selective listening. Yeah. Sounds frustrating. Oh my God. You have no idea. Maybe you have an idea. <laughs> you probably have no idea. Uh, I, uh, I might have an inkling of an idea. So lately, we have to ask our girls probably no fewer than 10 or even 12 times to do something. It could be mm. like whatever it is. Eat your dinner. Put your clothes on. Uh, get in the shower. Or whatever it is. Stop shaving the cat. And it is making us totally crazy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. From the outside, I feel like someone would say, well, why don't you just get down to their level, make sure that they have your attention, and say, <laughs> I need you to do this. I need you to be listening. But the thing is, we do that, and mm-hmm. they look us right in the eye, and still, it's like it goes directly out the other ear. It's crazy-making. Is this the thing that makes you the most crazy that you find yourself just repeating and repeating and repeating yeah. to no avail? Yes, it makes. Yes, exactly. My wife and I look at each other and we're like, do they not like understand the English language? Like, did they what all of a this? sudden not understand words anymore? And when we stop and say, like, what is going on here? Like, and actually get to the point where we're frustrated and really expressing frustration to them. We try not to, like, yell, but we get yeah. pretty frustrated with them. And we say, like, can you not hear what we're saying? They're like, I didn't Oh, I didn't know you said that. Or I didn't hear that. Honestly, it's not like we were calling it from across the room ten times in a row and you yeah. were distracted doing something. It's like I literally was down two feet from you, we were looking at each other in the eye, and I said, I need you to focus on what I'm saying right now. Like, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. It's time to get in the shower. You need to get in the shower. Do you think they're really not hearing you, or they're choosing to not hear you? They totally hear you, but they're choosing to ignore, and then when you call them on it, they're just, yeah. yeah, they're just sort of using that as an excuse. I don't know. That's must be, that's probably maybe there's an expert out there who it. does who would have yeah. who, who would be able to teach me something about this or a technique to actually get them to comply with what we're asking them to do. Like a lot of times it's like we need to leave for school in 20 minutes. And so we have this amount of time to get these things done and I need them to be working with me. What's interesting to me about my kids and the age that they're at is that. I do think that they're hearing yeah. what I'm, I'm saying and what my wife is saying, but they're, they're just not giving us any cues at all that they're hearing it, but they yeah. hear it. Well, that's part of it too. That's part mm-hmm. of it too. We get no response a lot of the time. And that, that, I mean, that's frustrating. It's and so it, I, frustrating. And I, I feel like the thing that proves that they are hearing it is that that one moment that you take to have an adult a two second adult conversation. <laughs> That's when they need your attention. Yeah, and, and, and then you say something and then they hear that and you, they were in the next room. You and your wife whisper, should I go mm. pick up some ice cream after the kids are in bed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're, and they're a mile away in the other room engaged <laughs> in something. And they're like, we get an ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Somebody say ice cream. I mean, but, but I don't, I don't know, you know, developmentally, what happens between 
three-year-olds and seven-year-olds. And I think really it's it's where our seven-year-old is currently at. And I think our four-year-old has just learned that behavior from her big sister and just goes along with it. But it is absolutely crazy making and can be straight up like make you feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah. So that's a thing now selective listening i think that they think that they filter out the frequency of my voice their brains filter it out try an accent next time Hmm, interesting idea oh adam that was a that's a great so that's the thing now anyway all right guys You're you know what my us. leg that was fake <laughs> Yeah, it was very. I'd like I you was to be being authentic with me. I was, I was, I was. That was my like. That was my like YouTuber <laughs> impression. Sell me these end credits. Well, friends, you can find us at moderndadhood.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. All we ask is that you please subscribe. Leave us a quick rating, maybe a review. Big one here. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Word of mouth. Please also, where can the folks follow us? Oh, they can that. follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, or subscribe to us on YouTube. Just search Modern Dadhood. You will find us. If you're a mom listening and you're looking for a great Father's Day gift for a dad in your life, go to moderndadhood.com and buy him a dad hoodie or a t-shirt. They're very comfortable. I sleep in the t-shirt nearly every night nightshirt mm. did you get one of the two xl ones and you just wear it like a nightshirt yep. tuck those knees right up into it yep i like yep i like a shirt that just dangles and sort of just tickles the the kneecaps you know just I like something that just sort of plays down around that area <laughs> of my knees okay <laughs> that got ter- that got terrible sorry about that folks all right anyway drop us a line at hey at modern if you would like to ask me to never talk about <laughs> my knees again a huge thank you to our friend casper baby pants to spencer alby we want to thank them for the music in their podcast to pete morse at red vault audio for constantly putting up with our poor recording practices the incredible and generous and talented ben lee for making time to talk with us about fatherhood and i'm gonna throw it to you mark for the last one let me go ahead and say and thank you for listening happy father's day